Welcome to The Word from Bethlehem Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Abigail Zhang Hoffman. And I'm Pastor Amy Walter-Peterson. Thanks for dwelling in The Word with us today. Welcome to this special episode of Living the Word. Our guest today is a longtime member of Bethlehem, Bob Stoltz, and we are looking forward to learning more about him and some of the work that he does in our community that um, you may not be aware of. So welcome, Bob. It's great to have you with us today. Thank you very much. Would you, um, just for those uh, folks who might not know you, would you just tell us a little bit about yourself? We've already said your name, but... um, who lives in your house? What is, you know, kind of your household, your family look like? Uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I was born and raised here in Rochester. Met my wife in California. Living there, we moved back. And uh, we have three children. And the oldest is 33, so born in 89. And that's the point where we joined BLC, actually. It's sort of Having a child is kind of an eye-opener, especially when the dad <laughs> so gets to ways, be there. That's right. So um, so I've been here for 30 years, yeah. a little plus. So um, it's been a wonderful time. So lifelong, uh, or born in Rochester, what brought you out to California? Just after school, moved out yeah. to go somewhere. And, um, some, somewhere different? Somewhere different. I had some friends who went out there ahead of me, so I was able to join in. I was there for 10 years yeah. and met Julie at work. In fact, she helped hire me. So, <laughs> so there you go. And Came then you back brought here. her here because she's not from this area. Well, she's from Ohio, so it was coming yes. home for both of us. <laughs> and we had our three children, Philip, Nancy, and David. And we're very proud of them all. Yeah. Wonderful. That's great. That's great. Uh, what? Tell us a little bit about what you do. You can answer that question however you'd like. Um, but, you know, it could be professionally, your vocation, the sorts of things that fill your days. Well, I had a long career as an engineer. So I'm an analytical kind of person. Um, in my life, I've done a lot of sailing. I'm a competitive sailor. And I didn't know that. I've done, uh, in my younger days, did a lot of thrill-seeking. I tried everything from skydiving to hang gliding to climbing rock walls. And and uh, I dabbled in those, didn't take to any. I decided I didn't want to die young doing something <laughs> that was that was not good enough. So... Did your kids pick up that thrill-seeking uh, gene at all? Well, to some extent. To some yeah. extent. Maybe what? not quite as much as me. I, I find when my kids do something scary, it's way worse than when I do something scary. That's why I wondered <laughs> yeah. how it felt to watch them thrill-seek. Worse for you, yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, something I learned in college was how to juggle. So I'm in a juggling club here in... Rochester, oh, I always wow. wanted to join the circus and never <laughs> quite got around to it. So. We missed having you juggle then at the outdoor picnic. If I had known well, you had that skill, I've done um, it a few times in years past. And but um, yeah, the yeah, things so we that, learn. So that's a hobby. It's the fun. things we learn. 
Um, I know. I mean, one of the reasons why we really wanted to talk with you is that we both know that one of the things that you have started to do in, I think, your retirement is to do some volunteer work with the Red Cross. Uh, and I'm wondering if you just tell us a little bit about that work that you do and um, how did you get into that? Sure. Um, there's a lot to tell. I, I retired and, you know, along the way, I sort of developed with God an attitude of just being thankful mm. all the time for mm. the things I've been able to have and do, my upbringing, my family above all. And it's just, uh, it's just like that. Being, being around BLC, I would look around and see people who just do so much. And in the process of being grateful, I arrived at the thought of, well, I should be doing something. So I retired and let's see, six years ago and started looking around at opportunities to, to do something meaningful and useful that suited me. And I looked at a, at a number of organizations and opportunities to do volunteer work. And I arrived at the Red Cross and, uh, you know, I've supported them and contributed for a long time, Mm -hmm. but, you know, I, I look at them and I see someone who's big and does big things that no one else can do. Mm. And I, I forget if at the time there were probably things going on and, and they were in the news and I thought, well, gosh, you know, I'll, I'll look into them. And I looked into them and I saw that they have, they have a number of sides. And so anyone, you know, anyone can volunteer with the Red Cross and find something that suits them. They do everything from blood drives Mm -hmm. where you can volunteer to, you know, help take care of the people who come into blood drives. They help veterans and their mm-hmm. families. But the side that I'm on and that that's highly visible is is a disaster response side of it. Um, so I I gave them gave them a call and linked up with the team in my county and have been doing that for five years now. And so when you say you do that kind of work with disaster response, what is what is kind of your role in that? Um, there's two roles. That there's two sides of it. One is local. So when somebody is in need, basically when they lose their home or their place to live, um, we step in and there's a local team of people and there's a lot of training and, and things like that. But we're able to to help people um, probably 30 or 40 times a year in Ontario County, maybe 10 times that in, in Monroe County, just because of more people. Uh, typically, it's house fires. Yeah. Um, two days ago, I went to one in Geneva, mm. and it was a family of five people that had a fire in the attic of the home. Thankfully, no one was injured, mm. and, um, and we were able to... You know, they, we go to the scenes of these fires, so I was, you know, out till past midnight that night, but we'll get there, and typically the firefighters will be there still, and the people will be standing around with a dazed yeah, look sure, in their eyes, sure. and, yeah. and you know, these are people who are going through something very intense. And, uh, and very sudden. 
and it's sudden it's in, it's very emotionally yeah. intense and if there are injuries or god forbid a fatality there's you know that's a whole you know it's 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 a crazy thing for them and you know the firefighters put out the fire the policemen you know keep every everybody safe and and we take care of the people mm. they could be standing out there in their slippers and a freezing cold sure. and and um someone has to take care of them so we'll we'll talk to them we'll open a open what we call a case and we'll, we do give people some assistance immediately some financial assistance um, we'll call around to hotels help them find a room and basically take care of them for the first three four days and then our other people in the Red Cross follow up and link them up with different places, which there's a surprising number of where they can get assistance of, of all sorts. Mm -hmm. That's great. So, so that's the, that's the local side. And then there's, so it's there's, kind of the acute crisis moment. Those, those first kind exactly. of the day or two right after a sudden um, exactly. event that and, has really um, upended somebody's life. Yes. Yes, very much. And, um, well, it's interesting to see the kind of, you know, the kind of people I meet are pretty amazing. The folks two nights ago, they had a pretty good handle on it. You know, they're they're going to be okay. They didn't speak English. There's a side of it that mm. added a little complication. Sure. Um, are there translators available then on your team? Or? In this case, we can do it on, on the phone. But in this case, there was a firefighter who spoke Spanish. And oh, then a, a neighbor and friend came. And who, helps. who helped with that too and typically that's typically mm -hmm. that's what happens and um and so you know they'll be all right uh two or three weeks ago i guess it was two weeks ago there was a roof that collapsed at a hotel a residential hotel in canandaigua and 10 people were put out of their places oh. and um and we helped them out so it's uh and they were they were interesting. There was a guy, the guy I got to know better than the others because I was the one who interviewed him, but um, it, an interesting guy. But, you know, sometimes people have lots of support. Yeah. The people, sure. you know, there was one fellow about a month ago where the whole, it seemed like everybody within a mile was flocking to to help this guy. Yeah. Um, the fellow at this hotel, he didn't have anybody. Yeah. But... But we're able to help him out. In fact, on a on a whim, I reached in my pocket. I gave him my little prayer square that that oh, we, yeah, we have in the wonderful. that we have in the sanctuary. So oh, I had to get another one of those. I, our team will be delighted <laughs> to hear right. how far and wide those get and, spread. Um, so it's a you know the people you meet and and just being able to help them through. So that's the local component, and then it and then I know that you there's a there's a. <coughs> other than local component as well, right? Right. Yes, and that is a large scale, they call it. So a hurricane, a flood, a wildfire. Um, what the Red Cross will do is assemble a team, and, and you picture picture they're like, they're like the Army where they don't know where they're going to have to step up yeah. or when or what when the or circumstances where, will be. Not knowing when or where you'll have to mobilize, right? Yep, they have to mobilize. The thing the army has going for them is they know who they've got to work with. You know, we we will collect hundreds of people. I've been on 200, 300, 400 person operations. 
and they bring these people together. They don't know who it's going to be, and and yeah. it's it's amazing that it, they pull it off and they they do it well. But um, but what happens is you know they'll they'll gather people together. They'll start with local people responding, and if an incident grows, they start calling people from outside. So I'll get a call, and they'll want me to leave the next day yeah. for two weeks and to work on an operation. I've done it four times. Uh, three were floods. One was wildfires in mm. California. And what I do is I get in a car with a partner. In fact, I'm a supervisor of one of these teams. And we drive around assessing the extent and the severity of the damage. And it's a real out there kind of job yeah. so literally on the we, ground literally on the ground and we drive around and go house by house you know seeing how seeing how they were affected we meet a lot of people and it's really makes an impression you know floods are people usually have some warning when there's a flood mm-hmm. so they tend to be more okay these wildfires the the destruction was pretty pretty mind-boggling and um and we go and we meet these people and whenever there's someone out or someone doing something i'll i'll stop and and talk to them um let them know where they can go to get help shelters and feeding places and Mm -hmm. and all the things that we do um it's interesting they're sometimes just you know mind-boggled themselves i'll i've met people where in a neighborhood or a street, one person will really step up and kind of bring people together and make sure everybody's okay. It's amazing how people step up for each other. And the people I get to meet, the Red Cross people, here's, you know, hundreds of people left their homes on a moment's notice and, and they're there and they're, they're doing this. And, you know, when I ask someone why they, why are you here? Why do you do this? You know, they have the same answer I do. It's just because I can. Mm-hmm. And and it makes a difference. So yeah. I can't I can't imagine and having never experienced something like that myself, I can't imagine how uh how powerful it must be just to know that perfect strangers kind of show up on your doorstep just to say, I'm here. Here are the resources that are available for you. How can I help? What do you need? How can I help connect you to what you most need? Like, what a gift that is to be able to do that. It is. And and people people are grateful. I'm sure. And I, I meet all sorts of other people responding, other organizations. Sure. Yeah, sure. Um, gosh, we went to one house. We went by and there was all these people there, about 20 people. And it turned out it was a group of veterans. This house mm. had been flooded and largely destroyed. And they were just descended on this place, and they had, it was a military, a veterans organization. Mm-hmm. So all these very fit guys, and, and they had their sons and daughters with them, and they, they were just going through this place, just putting it all back together for this uh, lady who lived there. Yeah. There was there was one other that, that made a big impression on me. It was, we were at the wildfires out in California and we were going through a neighborhood which had not been burned but they had been evacuated Mm -hmm. because the fire was close and we went by a house with a lady and a young girl there little girl maybe 10 years old and um, 
and they had been out of their house for two weeks. It was the first time back, and they had gone back, and this little girl had found her two little kitty cats that they had to leave behind, and mm. they were still there. So mm. she, I took a picture of her. I can show you. Too. She Aww, was holding wonderful. her little her little kitty cat, who was who was okay, and uh, it's it's like an it's it's an emotional roller coaster I'm sure. to be on one of these and, and a couple of weeks just yeah. drains you right down yeah i'm sure it brings a, a depth of meaning to mm-hmm. jesus um to, to scripture that talks about you know when i was hungry you fed me when i was naked Boy. you clothed me um that's what you're doing you're showing up alongside other people um you say it's because you can but i'm also hearing that undercurrent of mm-hmm. um out of gratitude for all that mm-hmm. god has done how do you share that, that wealth with yeah. others? And showing up is a big chunk of that. And there's so many people who do that. Yeah. There's so many. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you, Bob, for that conversation. Um, I have so many tangents I would love to ask you more about. Um, and maybe you all who are listening do as well. Um, so you will find Bob around church often. He's here most weeks. Um, he also helps to keep up our property here at church and is always looking for willing hands to come alongside him in that work. So I'll put that plug in if yes. you would, if you're inspired <laughs> you. into service. Um, or want to just get to know Bob better. That would be a great way to do it. Absolutely. <laughs> but as we wrap up our time today, Bob, we have a fun five set of questions for you. First, coffee or tea? Coffee. All right, Lots. that was a quick answer. <laughs> Two, preferred ice cream flavor? Mint chip. Uh, the green one or the white one? The green one. It was my dad's favorite. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's we, we have that debate in our house. Is it really mint chip if it's not green? Um, okay, other than worship, what is a surefire way to connect to the divine, to God, to Jesus, to, to feel grounded in your faith outside of worship? To reflect and be thankful. Mm, gratitude. Mm, lovely. Um, what is one resource that you rely on that helps you remain grounded in your faith? Oh, that's easy, Julie. Mm. And and this place. Mm. Yeah. Relationship. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's wonderful. That's a theme. Finally, um, I think I said these were easy questions. This has proven to be the most hard, most difficult for most people. Um, if you had to choose just one, Christmas or Easter? Christmas. It's, up, it's upbeat. <laughs> <laughs> well, so is Easter. Up, he rises up. More decorations. I, I, but it's <laughs> more decorations. I love it. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you yes, for your time, Thank Bob. you for sharing your story with us. This has really been great. Well, thank you very much. Thanks for living the word with us today. Don't miss an episode. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have someone you'd like us to interview, please be sure to email us at theword at blcfairport.org. If you'd like to support Bethlehem Lutheran Church and the ministry we share, including this podcast, please visit our website at www.blcfairport.org.